This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Well, if you're joining us after the first time or you've missed a few weeks of this series, uh, we're in week six now of our series called Follow Me, which is all about discipleship and learning to love and live like Jesus. And so the past two weeks, uh, Mitch and Matt have kind of taken us through what it looks like to follow Jesus um, through our learning and what it looks like to follow Jesus through our loving. Uh, And this morning, I get the privilege of speaking to us about what it means to follow Jesus through uh, our living. So why don't you join me in prayer, and let's ask God to speak to us now. Father, there's nothing that I can say uh, this morning that will change people. Um, That's your job. So I pray that as I speak, as we look at your word, that you would give us the ears to hear you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move in this place now, uh, that you would encounter us through this message, that you would change us uh, for our good and for your glory. Pray this confidently and expectantly in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I think I've got a photo here um, of my cousin Josh, There it is. This is a photo of me and my cousin Josh at my wedding day. Uh, He was one of my groomsmen. He's got a wicked beard. Uh, I love my cousin Josh. Uh, Growing up, we were extremely close. He was uh, the big brother that I never had. And, And I didn't just love him. I really wanted to be like him. I looked up to him. I wanted to be like him. He was three years older than me. And so I started to live like him. Uh, Josh was uh, really into basketball, so I took on basketball. We started shooting hoops in his backyard, and if you're a Facebook friend of mine, you probably know that I still love basketball. Uh, Josh was into singing, and so I started to sing. Josh led worship at youth, so I signed up to lead worship at youth. Josh liked wearing Giordano polo shirts with the collar popped at youth group, and so Giordano collared shirts with the collar popped became a staple of my youth wardrobe. Actually, I had one in baby pink. It was awesome. Um, No shame. And uh, over the years, uh, I began to look more and more like my cousin, Josh. I dressed like him. Uh, I liked the same music. I liked the same food. Uh, I even liked the same girls that he liked at the same time. And I was three years younger. Over time, uh, over time, my life began to look more and more like his. And uh, if you're here this morning and you are kind of following along with us, if you're journeying with us as we explore what it means to love and live like Jesus, this is kind of like what it means to follow Jesus with our living. Following Jesus with our living means that over time, our lives become more and more like His. We start to look more and more uh, like Him. And as the Holy Spirit works in us, we begin to look less and less like ourselves and more and more like Him. Our lives, they, they become congruent with His, which means that they line up. Our life begins to line up with what His life was about, what He was all about. His interests become our interests. His passions become our passions. His behaviors become our behaviors. His life becomes our life. 
And so this morning, as we look at this topic of following Jesus through our living, what I want us to see is that following Jesus is, is more than just learning about him and, and applying uh, commandments or, or listening to his instruction, but it's actually about becoming conformed into his image. It's about taking on his life and, and him living through us. And Jesus doesn't just give us a way to live that looks foreign to how he lived. He actually models that way to live for us. You see, Jesus isn't willing to, um, he, he's not going to ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done, but as he calls us to live like him, he's calling us to imitate, to, to, to follow his modeling, to follow his example, to live like him. And so how I'd like to uh, approach the message this morning is by seeking to answer two questions. Uh, the first question is, why should we live like Jesus? Why should we live like Jesus? And then the second question being, how do we live like Jesus? So you ready? Matt's ready. Is anyone else ready? You guys are ready? Great. Let's go. So firstly, why should we live like Jesus? We might be here this morning and you are wondering, does it really matter how I live? Does it really matter how I live? If, if this... If this gospel, if this faith, if this, this Christianity is all about faith and believing, does it actually matter how I believe? Doesn't it just matter? Uh, does it actually matter how I live? Doesn't it just matter what I believe? And what I want to say to us this morning, or rather what God has to say to us, is that yes, yes, it does matter how we live. And the first reason it matters how we live is because obedience is part of our discipleship. Uh, this is what Jesus says in his famous Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Be up on the screens behind me. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Uh, he's, he's being crucified. He's been resurrected. He's about to go and be with the Father in the heavens. And these are the last words that he leaves with his followers. He says, go and make disciples. How? By baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Jesus says that, that it's about baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything that He has commanded. And so, in other words, a disciple is not just someone who says that they believe in Jesus, but a disciple is someone who is being shaped to live like Jesus. A disciple isn't just someone who believes the right things intellectually, who ticks off the facts about Jesus that they know to be true, but a disciple is someone who is living more and more like Jesus, letting him reign in their life, obeying his will, listening to his commands. And in a modern technological Western world of clicktivism and cheap social media likes and follows, Jesus calls us to much more than that. He says, it's not enough to be loosely associated with me. 
It's not enough to put a little cross in your Instagram bio or put Jesus in your religious views on Facebook. Following Jesus is more like an immersive apprenticeship with the master than just saying you believe in him or believing the right things about him. And so for those here today who call themselves followers of Jesus, it's not enough for us to say, I'm a disciple because I believe the right things about Jesus, but actually a disciple is someone who's called to live like him too. So how we live matters because obedience is part of our discipleship, but secondly, we should live like Jesus because being made like him is actually the end goal of our faith. Uh, This is what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8. Read along with me. He says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So what Paul's saying here is that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then God chose you before time to save you, but not just that, to make you like his son Jesus. And if you are in Christ today, then that's what's happening to you right now. Even in this very moment, you are slowly, progressively being made more and more like Jesus. It's a a theological word that is called sanctification. It means being made holy, being made like Jesus. And here's the thing. That is the end goal of our faith. That's our final destination. It's like like a little grubby caterpillar that is going to transform into this beautiful, amazing butterfly. So too, those who are in Christ are being transformed into his beautiful image, and we will emerge being made like him. And that's why it doesn't make any sense for us not to try and live like Jesus now. You see, resisting living like Jesus now is kind of like the caterpillar refusing to become a butterfly. It's like, what are, what are you doing? Get on board with the project. You, you're becoming a butterfly. That's what's happening. It doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive to reject the work of the Spirit in our lives to make us more like Jesus when that's who we're going to become one day. And so we do not resist God's transformative work in our lives to make us more like Jesus, but rather we embrace it because that's who we are becoming. So why should we live like Jesus? Well, firstly, because obedience is part of our discipleship, and secondly, because being made like Jesus is the end goal of our faith. So we should live like Jesus. We should. But then the question shifts to, okay, so I know that I should live like Jesus. I want to get on board with the project. I'm being made like him, but how? How do I do that? And to be honest, when I sat down to prepare this sermon, I felt quite inadequate and overwhelmed because I was like, how am I going to talk about living like Jesus in 30 minutes? Like that is a lofty topic that could span a collection of books and sermons and teaching series And so what I have for us this morning is not an exhaustive, uh, all-comprehensive teaching. There's more to be said than I can say in this time, but what I'd like to share with us is three practices in Jesus' life 
that could also be seen as characteristics or attitudes of his life that he commands us as his followers to obey. And Jesus doesn't just command us to adopt uh, these practices in our lives, but he actually shows us how to do that. He models it for us in his own life. And as we adopt them, we will become more and more like him. You guys tracking with me? It's great. So firstly, three practices. So firstly, the first practice for us to adopt to live like Jesus is abiding in him. You see, Jesus lived this radically dependent life of abiding in the Father. And the gospel writers will deliberately show us over and over and over again how Jesus would take time and create space and withdraw from the crowds and the busyness of life to abide in the Father's presence. And in the same way that he abided in the Father's presence, in the same way that he modeled it, he calls us to abide in him. This is what he says in John chapter 15, up on the screen behind me. Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, remain in me. Abide in in me, spend time with me, get to know me. And if we want to live lives like Jesus, this has to be our starting point. It all starts here. It's all built on this foundation of abiding in him, of growing in relationship with him, of speaking to him, of listening to him. If Jesus, the perfect son of God, the second person of the Trinity, needed to withdraw from the busyness of life to spend time in the Father's presence, to be empowered for his life and ministry and mission, how much more sinful, imperfect people who live in a technological crazed world, we look at our phones every 12 seconds, how much more us? And if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you're here this morning and you're not, you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say to you that this is one of the defining characteristics of our faith. That, that our faith in God is not about rules, it's not built on rituals, but it's built on abiding, it's built on relationship. You see, we can abide in God's presence. Christians can speak to God, they can hear from God, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve to be in His presence, not because we've made ourselves morally superior, but because God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us and to give us new life. Because you see, we're all imperfect people, we're all rebels by nature who constantly push God out of our lives But God sent Jesus to pay the price for our rebellion so that we can have a relationship with him, so that we can abide in him. And so if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, maybe you walked in the doors off the street, a friend brought you, invited you, or maybe they tricked you to come, I want you to leave knowing that 
This is what it means to be a Christian. It's not about earning God's acceptance. It's not about earning God's presence. It's not about earning God's favor, but trusting that Jesus, because of Jesus, we have all of those things. But for those of us who are disciples of Jesus, what's the result of your abiding? Well, this is the result, that you will become more and more like Jesus, and you will bear fruit. But it all starts with abiding. In our apartment at home, Katie and I have this beautiful fiddle leaf fig tree. It's really arty and in at the moment. And um, I like it. I really like it. And, you know, we, we, we care for, for it like a child. We share the responsibility. Um, Katie tends for it, waters it, looks at it, checks on it, and I admire it. Um, but, you know, when we got it 18 months ago, it had about 10, 10 leaves. And now it has like probably about 30 leaves. It's sprouted a whole new branch. There's all these green leaves coming off of it. It looks amazing. It's one of my pride and joys. But you know what it needs to flourish? It needs two things. It's, it's actually really easy. If you kill plants and you want a plant that will last, get this one because it is really easy. It needs light and it needs a trickle of water once a week. Really easy. But it needs light and it needs water. Those are the two components that it needs to flourish and grow. That's all that it needs, but it needs those two things. And without them, it will not grow. It will not flourish. Without those two things, it wouldn't have born, banned, produced all these new leaves. And we are the same if we don't abide in Jesus. If we don't abide in Jesus, there will be no true spiritual growth. We will not bear fruit. We will not flourish. We may show signs of outward growth that maybe is just religion. We need to abide with Jesus. And so I wondered this morning, what changes do you need to make to start abiding in Jesus? Or maybe to start abiding more and and spending more time with him. This is a constant challenge for me as a millennial uh, living in this age of technology and distractions, I have to ask myself this most weeks. So what changes do you need to make? Because the reality is we make time for what we prioritize, and so do you prioritize abiding in Christ? This is our launch pad. This is our starting point to living more like Him. We need to, we need to be in His Word, like Mitch reminded us a few weeks ago, and not just reading it and then forgetting it, but abiding in His Word, reflecting asking questions of the text. We need to be spending time and creating space to pray and sit in solitude and reflect and praise Him. Pick a time, pick a place, pick a method this week and withdraw. Just do something really achievable. Add five minutes. If you're doing zero minutes right now, add five. If you're doing five minutes, add ten. Pick something easy and achievable and give it a go tomorrow morning. Abide in Jesus and be strengthened to live like Him. And so the first practice uh, for us to adopt in living like Jesus is abiding in Him. And the second practice is depending on the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4 about the Spirit's involvement in His life. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. 
because he has, appointed, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke is telling us here, he's referencing this Old Testament prophecy that is fulfilled in Jesus when he comes, and he's telling us that the Spirit anointed and empowered Jesus' life and ministry. See, the Spirit was actively intertwined and involved in Jesus' life in an inseparable way. He empowered Jesus to live the life that he did, to fulfill his ministry, to go to the cross in obedience to the Father, and to rise from the dead three days later. Jesus did not go it alone. Jesus did not strive in human fleshly effort to live a life pleasing to God. No, he depended on the Holy Spirit's work in him. From conception to resurrection, Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he calls us to follow in his footsteps. So are you living a life that's dependent on the Holy Spirit? Are you living a life that's dependent on the Spirit's power? Well, how do you know? Well, here's three questions that you could ask yourself uh, to self-diagnose. Firstly, do you recognize your need for the Spirit's power in your life? Do you have recognition that you actually need the Spirit's power in your life? Two, have you invited the Spirit to empower you to live a life like Jesus? And thirdly, are you anticipating Him working in powerful ways in your life? Because being dependent on the Spirit is more than just an intellectual assent to the facts about the Holy Spirit. It's more than just the theological position. It's more than just saying, yeah, I believe the Holy Spirit exists and He's kind of there and He does stuff. But no, it should cultivate a real deep relationship with the Spirit and a yearning that He would be at work in us. I always uh, think it's important to refer to the Spirit like how Jesus referred to the Spirit. He didn't call the Spirit an it, like he was some kind of impersonal force that hovers around in the background and, you know. No, he calls the Spirit he, the counselor, the advocate, the comforter, the teacher. Do you depend on the Holy Spirit's power in your life? Because did you know that by the Spirit's power, we can live a life like Jesus? Did you know that? Did you know that by the Spirit's power, we can actually live holy lives and put sin to death? That by the Spirit's power, we can understand God's Word and be shaped by it? By the Spirit's power, we can have self-control to say no to ungodliness and honor God with our lives and our bodies and our minds? That by the Spirit's power, we can love others with an impossible love and we can open our mouths with boldness and speak Jesus' message despite fear and we can persevere and endure despite hardship and trial and suffering. We can do all of this by the Spirit's power. In my study for this sermon, I came across this quote from William Temple, who was a bishop in the Church of England in the 1940s. 
It's, uh, it's up on the screens behind me. Let, let me read it to you. I thought it was so profound. William says, It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, but I can't. And it is no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, but I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. And if you're here today and you are in Christ, you're a disciple of Jesus, the good news is that Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit into you. He dwells in you. He wants to work through you. And by depending on him, we can live a life like Jesus. So how do we live like Jesus? Well, firstly, by abiding in him. Secondly, by depending on the Spirit's power. And thirdly, by submitting our will to God. You see, Jesus' life was marked by an uncompromising submission to the Father's will. We see it as a constant characteristic all throughout his life. From the moment he was born up until the point that he dies and is raised to life. And, and perhaps most pointedly, we see it displayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. See, Jesus' life was a life of submission to the Father's will, even in the face of the thing that he feared, even in the face of death. His life was a life of submission, and this is what Jesus says to those who want to be his disciples in Mark chapter 8. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, just as Jesus denied himself and took up his cross and literally, literally took up his cross, carried it up the hill and was crucified to it, he calls those who would follow him to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. See, he's the commanding officer. We're, we're like the soldiers. Where he goes, we follow. When he marches, we march. What he commands us to do, we joyfully do. We are pleased to follow his plans and execute his will. We lay down our own agendas to take up his. You see, Christian, you are called to wake up every day and say to Jesus, I want your will to be done, not mine. And what, is this, what does this look like? Well, this looks like so many things from steps of small but radical obedience to bigger gestures of radical obedience. But what it could mean for us this morning is investing in and building Jesus' kingdom instead of ours. 
Maybe that's what it looks like for us to submit to Jesus' will. Maybe it looks like believing and living out that accumulating treasures in heaven is actually more important to us than accumulating wealth and money in this life. Maybe it means upholding and believing that God's design for sex and sexuality and sexual expression is better and truer than the world's. Maybe it means loving when we don't feel like loving, forgiving when we don't feel like forgiving, embracing when we don't feel like embracing, serving when we don't feel like being served. Maybe it means living for the fulfillment of Jesus' great commission of making disciples instead of living for the fulfillment of our own Sydney 21st century ideas of what the good life is. Living like Jesus looks like submitting our will to him, saying, I want your will to be done, Lord, not mine. So how do we live like Jesus? We can start by abiding him, abiding in him, by depending on the spirit and by submitting our will to God. As we come to a close, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the saying, um, it's the journey that matters, not the destination. Is anyone familiar with that, heard that before? It's the journey that matters, not the destination. It's one of those, I don't know, modern day proverbs that's become popular with our culture. And I think it's, it's kind of popular because it helps people feel good about the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter where you end up. All that matters is kind of what you learn along the way. All that matters is the journey. But for the Christian, I just don't think this is true. I don't think it's true that that only the journey matters and not the destination. No, I think for the Christian, it's both the journey that matters and the destination. Because you see, if the journey is being made like Jesus, sorry, if the destination is being made like Jesus, if that's where we're headed, then that ought to fuel the fire for our journey of living like Jesus. And if the journey is living like Jesus, we ought to embrace it knowing that that takes us closer and closer to our final destination of being made like Jesus. So family, we've been called to live like Jesus. So with the Spirit's help and by abiding in Christ, let's do that this week, submitting our will to Him and rejoicing that as we do this, we are becoming more and more like who we were called to be. So we're going to respond uh, this morning in a few different ways. And the first way that we're going to respond is by sharing in the Lord's Supper. We have stations here down the front, in the middle to the sides. And we share in the Lord's Supper as remembrance that Jesus has died for us, and that he's shed his blood for us. And as we do this, we do this as a declaration that we don't seek to live like Jesus to earn forgiveness. We don't seek to live like Jesus to earn new life, but we seek to live like Jesus because we've been given new life, because we have been forgiven through what he has done. So if you identify with Jesus' death and resurrection for you, I want to invite you while we sing to come to the front, to the sides, take and eat, share in the Lord's Supper together. We're also going to respond through our giving. If you're a member of the Anchor family, 
then this is for you. And we don't give financially out of obligation or duty, but we do it because we've been called to live like Jesus, and Jesus' life was a life of generosity, marked by giving and not withholding. So if you're, if you're a guest, if you're a newcomer, this isn't for you. Just let those buckets pass you by. But if you're a member of the Anchor family, I'd invite you to give generously, thankfully, from the heart. Uh, we're going to have our prayer team up the back as well. If you have anything that you'd like prayer for, they're going to be wearing orange lanyards. Please go and let the Holy Spirit minister to you through them. And lastly, we're going to respond by praising and worshiping our King Jesus, the one who we are becoming more and more like. So why don't you stand, let me pray, and let's sing to him. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us your son. Thank you that you, uh, you saved us and, and you're making us like him. And so help us to partner with you in that. Help us to partner with you in that and to pursue lives uh, that seek to live like him. Lord, this is hard for us to do, so hard for us to do in our weakness. So empower us by your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you that you don't desire perfection but progress. So would you empower us to live like you? Thank you that you are making us more and more like you each and every day. Pray it in your strong name. Amen.